Ready to unwrap a surprise from Consumer Cellular? Experience the gift of freedom with no contract, no hidden fees, and always free activation. Here comes the holiday surprise. From now till December 31st, new customers can enjoy their second month for free. To get this holiday offer, visit ConsumerCellular.com or call 1-888-FREEDOM and use promo code PODCAST. Act before December 31st to get your second month on us. Use promo code PODCAST. This is the best of the American Veteran Show. We'll be back soon with a brand new edition. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military and the other 99 percent of us we owe them online at americanveteranshow.com here's stefan tubbs welcome to this week's edition of the american veteran show thank you so much for giving us time as always each and every sunday here on 710 KUS. We begin with breaking military news from this past week. On Friday, it was described as a tragic day for the city of Pensacola, Florida. Four people dead after a shooting Friday morning at Naval Air Station Pensacola. Several were hurt, including two sheriff's deputies. Florida officials have confirmed that a gunman who killed three people today at Naval Air Station Pensacola was a member of the Saudi Air Force. The attack happened in a classroom where the suspect was undergoing aviation training. The shooter who was also killed, again a member of the Saudi Air Force and an aviation student at the base, King Salman of Saudi Arabia, did phone President Trump offering condolences. A full investigation is obviously underway. We'll follow the story on our regular program beginning tomorrow. Just days before the anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, a 22-year-old Navy sailor opened fire at Pearl Harbor's naval shipyard. Two men were killed there before the sailor killed himself. Police say it all happened in 23 seconds. And three members of the Minnesota National Guard were killed last week after a helicopter crash near St. Cloud, Minnesota. The UH-60 went down Thursday. An Army air tower received a mayday call from that helicopter just moments before it crashed. Our condolences to all of the families involved. As we continue this first segment this weekend of the American Veteran Show, we'll talk with our friends at Wreaths Across America. That's straight ahead. But as mentioned, Pearl Harbor's anniversary. Yesterday, the 78th anniversary of the surprise attack. Don and Richard, two veterans from here in Colorado, one World War II and one a Vietnam veteran, had a chance to return to Pearl. The hardest hit and the first to quickly sink was the USS Arizona. Everything went so fast. When Arizona blew up, if you saw that film, how black it got. And so I got to see so much stuff happen. We got hit by a converted shell, but it hit one of those yard arms, and they figured that that ruined the fuse. And it went on, penetrated on the top of the turret, on the way down. It killed four guys, fizzed off. But it didn't blow up, thank goodness. 
We were tied right next to the West Virginia, and the reason it didn't roll over like uh, Oklahoma is because we had it tied so tightly it couldn't do that. We've saved the lives of a lot of people. And I watched the Nevada get underway. It had been tied back there, back of the Arizona, and the captain got it underway. All of a sudden, here come the second wave of Japs in, and they spotted it trying to get away, and they all just peeled down. As we continue the program, Ellen Fuller is a volunteer chair with Wreaths Across America, and so many of you are just just so generous uh, this time last year in donating for Wreaths Across America and specifically the program at Fort Logan. And Ms. Fuller, it's great to have you on the uh, show, and thank you so much for the time, and, and most importantly, what you do to give back. Well, I'm one of two million volunteers nationwide that are grateful Americans, but as you say and do, want to want to thank those that have served and their families. So that's why, that's our why. What is coming up and how can people get involved like they did last year? Well, first of all, I want to thank your audience. I've been blown away with the generosity and kindness of the Colorado community, their dedication, like I said, to veterans and their families. Last year, um, we had about 15,000. We just got the total numbers in. We're open over 20,000 this year. Oh, that's so great. The good news, bad news, yeah. The good news is phenomenal growth. But the challenge is this year, which is why we wanted to reach out and get your assistance, is with that growth, it has to be managed. Um, and it gets back to the safety of the attendees, the participants. Um, so we've come up with a pretty unique um, parking solution, which will allow people to pre-register once they're pre-registered, and I'll give you that website and the logistics on that later, they'll be able to print a parking pass because I think about 4,000 people attended last year, but there are only 400 spots at Fort Logan. So we've gone into the community again, been blown away by the support to get lots, and we're in the process of getting shuttles that will run outside the cemetery to the lots and then once inside the cemetery. You know, you've been there. There are 105 sections, so it'll be divided between, like, an east and a west section. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just want people to be um, patient and flexible with us as we go through these growing pains. The ceremony uh, last year was a little bit longer, um, so this year it's going to be timed 10 to 10.20. We encourage people to come early. One of wonderful volunteers said, hey, if you were going to a Broncos game and it started at 10, you would not be getting there at 9.45. You know, you're yeah, going to um, want to try and come early. And and as much as you know, having attended, that we honor each veteran when we place the wreath by saying their name because they die twice, that physical death and then when they're forgotten. So we remember and we want to have the time to have people to do that. Um, so some people, we have some wonderful groups. One group that comes to mind has 486 sponsored uh, graves. So that's like, uh, golly, 54 boxes, nine apiece. So we're trying to figure out that logistics to allow those groups to coordinate with us um, so that it flows nicely and respectfully. Um, and kudos, especially a third of our volunteers are kids, that they are – uh, parents are getting them up and dressed and fed, you know, as a dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no small uh, 
things. Yeah, so, um, we're, we're again talking with Ellen Fuller. She's with Wreaths Across America. So there are two things that I want to do. I want to make sure that we get the information out, as you mentioned, for people and where to park and then the, the shuttle lots that they can get to. Um, also, give us the date and time because it's coming up soon. Yes, sir, it is. Next Saturday, December 14th at 10 a.m. at Fort Logan. And that time is meaningful, Stefan, because it's coordinated with over 2,100 locations nationwide for the noon placement of a ceremonial wreath at Tomb of the Unknown at Arlington. So noon there in the east, 11 in central, 10 in mountain, of course, and then 9 Pacific. Yep, coming um, up uh, December 14th. And then what is the best way, and I promise, Ms. Fuller, we will put this out on our social media channel so people don't need to, if they're driving, you know, try to text and put it in their memo section or whatever. So just give it to us slowly, <laughs> and then we'll put it on out there. Wreaths-denver.org, W-R-E-A-T-H-S hyphen Denver. Dot org. There'll be a tab that says Reserve Parking. You can go and sign up. You'll get a unique password, only one pass per um, ID, and that'll have a printable map that'll instruct you where to go from there. Is it too late to donate? Never too late. Every day is a good day to honor a vet, any day, any way. And all of that information is at wreaths-denver.org. Uh, as well. Ellen Fuller, thank you for what you do. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I say this every year. If you haven't taken part in this program, if you haven't seen, and as Ms. Fuller had uh, indicated, you know, the name of the veteran is read and spoken aloud. Uh, many times there are salutes. Uh, and Fort Logan, uh, especially snow-covered, is just such a gorgeous, glorious place uh, to to pay tribute and pay your respects as a proud American, whether they're your family members in front of you or, or, or you just don't know them. They made the ultimate sacrifice to raise their hand and to serve. So we wish you the best of luck. We'll spread the word uh, in the coming days for certain. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Bye. Coming up next on the American Veteran Show, do not miss an incredible segment with an Afghan national who just within the last week became officially a United States citizen in Afghanistan, his home country. He had helped the United States military. And besides his wife, he left his family behind. I was like highly, you know, uh, would say I would have I think that I would have been I would have been in the highest or their top hit list. His miraculous story straight ahead. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the best of the American Veteran Show. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. As we teased last segment, what you're about to hear is just an amazing new U.S. citizen who left everything behind but his wife when he left Afghanistan after serving with military troops. Listen to his incredible story. You're a long way from Afghanistan. Thousands of miles away. Yeah, and you just became a U.S. citizen. What does that feel like today? You know, I feel like an owner. I feel, you know, I feel like I own this country right now. So, luckily, I don't want to forget my past. And that makes America great and looks at colorful. And I will bring all the cultures, all the skills that I have, I'll bring it over here. And I will work hard 
to uh, serve for the people and serve for this country. Your country has been so war-torn, and you know the U.S. involvement for nearly two decades. When did you leave? I left Afghanistan in 2014. So you had, obviously, war going on. What did you do there? Uh, basically, what you're doing right now, I used to be doing that. So I was a radio presenter, and I used to be a television anchor as well. And uh, uh, that made my life uh, uh, threatful, and uh, I was threatened by the insurgents while just, you know, revealing the truth. And uh, that made me, you know, uh, flee from the country. So... In order to report the truth, you were threatened, your family was threatened. Did it ever get violent? Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, uh, uh, luckily, I was very lucky. I was one of uh, those lucky journalists that I just flee alive from there. Most of our journalists, uh, you know, they, they, they were killed because of their, you know, revealing the truth and telling the truth or reporting the truth. Uh, but luckily, it was not at that point uh, to get killed or they kill my uh, family members. But, you know... Uh, I felt that there is a threat to me and uh, they threat the journalists back in Afghanistan. I thought uh, one day I'm going to be one of those two. Do you think if you had stayed that you may have been been killed? Sure, because, you know, uh, uh, from one side, I used to be working for the International Security Assistance Force uh, uh, television. Uh, they were just... Uh, 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 uh sync and they were just actually it was not a kind of sync it was uh, uh, like uh, they were showing the Afghan uh, army and their ally uh, allies or the Afghanistan Afghanistan security forces uh, and the allies uh, uh, stronger uh, than the insurgents so uh, of course that was you know a huge threat and I was like highly you know uh, would say, I would have. I think that I would have been. I would have been in the highest or their top hit list. Wow! You just became a U.S. citizen, but did you seek political asylum first? How did that work? I used to. Be, as I said, I I, I work for the uh, International Security Assistance Forces mm -hmm. Television, and besides that, um, and back in 2014, I was uh, uh, working. Not 2014, 2014, 13, 12, and I started actually from 11 mm -hmm. over the United States uh, States uh, Armed Forces. Uh, uh, mentors that they were uh, training uh, the Afghan special forces and I was a uh, translator, interpreter and cultural advisor. So I worked for the U.S. forces as well. How was it working with the United States military in your home country? As I said, uh, you know, the way we felt, the way actually the interpreters are feeling uh, even today, that uh, the foreign forces are coming miles away from their houses, leaving their families behind and coming uh, uh, and serving the, uh, uh, the people of Afghanistan. So why shouldn't we give them a hand to serve better? So uh, 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 that's why, you know, everybody's like uh, uh, feeling that uh, we should uh, help them, but that causes their lives as well. They are losing their lives and they're being killed. Would you say that the average Afghan citizen, do they want the United States to leave? Uh, I would say, like, uh, we have uh, uh, two kinds of people in Afghanistan. There is uh, uh, educated people and there are uh, illiterate, non-educated people or uneducated people. So uh, 
the people who are educated, so they feel that we need the international support. So that includes the United States too. And the United States is playing a very huge role uh, in that process. So they definitely uh, want that. They definitely want the United States to stay there until they are stood on their feet. But there are the people who are uh, illiterate and they're the people who are uneducated, so they have different ideology. And they say, well, they are non-Muslims, they're being as, uh, considered as uh, infidels, and they invaded our country, uh, and they got to get out of our country. So these are, you know, two different ideologies between the people uh, and uh, among the people of Afghanistan. Tell me about who you have here today. You you have your wife and your your small child. Yes, I do. Uh, actually, I have my uh, born citizen uh, Osman, and uh, today we are uh, joining him as well. So we uh, got naturalized with my wife. It's me and my wife and my uh, little son Osman. And uh, your little son is Osman. Osman. Osman, yeah. and he had the American flag he yeah. was waving around. Yeah, he was very happy about it. So he was like, you know, more than more happier than uh, than us, I think. I think you're yeah. pretty happy yeah, yeah, as course. well. Yeah. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. And just a couple of more questions. Please. When when you left, though, you have family members back in Afghanistan, right? Yes. How was that to leave? Uh, it was very hard to leave, uh, but uh, it was the only option. If you want to save your life, you got to get out of there. But luckily, the United States, uh, I would like to thank the people of the United States and uh, thank the government of the United States. Um, uh, and especially, I would like to remember when I was sitting over there, so I remember John McCain. So he really worked hard for us, and uh, the Afghan interpreters will never forget about that. He was the one who fought for our uh, uh, SIV, special immigrant visas, and uh, that uh, um, made it a little easier for us to come to the United States and get our visas. But it was definitely hard. Uh, and I'm still concerned about my family. But luckily, they're in Kabul, so they're safe up to date. Your English is very, very good. When did you learn? Oh, do you think so? I, uh, I do. Oh, uh, I think I still have... Uh, uh, Put it uh, this way, I could not speak your language. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know... Uh, I learned English uh, uh, in schools uh, back in Afghanistan and when we've been migrated to Pakistan as well. So uh, we had subjects at school and uh, I've learned there. And as this was an international language and I really, I was really passionate about it to learn this language and I learned it. But I still have accent and that's why I cannot, you know, work as a presenter here uh, in any radio stations or television. Oh, wait a minute now. Yeah, oh, wait a minute. You're going to come in. Will you come into studio? with me? Sure. Okay. Sometime I want you to. I'm a, I gave you my card. What makes this country so desirable? There were more than 50 people today from more than almost two dozen countries. You and your wife, you become citizens today. But what is it about America in 2019 that still makes it so desirable. All of your questions were very good, and this was the greatest question that you asked, and I wanted to tell my feelings about this. You know, America is a land which is belonging to everyone. America is the country of immigrants. If we dig our roots, so even you, if you dig your roots, you're going to be coming from somewhere else. But the main thing is democracy. You can, you know, say what you want, 
You can even say things on the air as a journalist. Of course. And you don't have to worry about going home and being threatened. Of course, of course. You're, you're not going to be, you know, you're, you're not have that feeling like uh, uh, when when I was producing uh, like reports, when I was going out, I was kind of scared. Once upon a time, if I tell you I have a lot of stories, I've been out for us to, uh, I was on assignment uh, to produce a report on police in one of our provinces. And I was targeted Literally, I, including my camera crew, we were targeted. Luckily, we were alive and nobody was even injured. So we have those stories. And if I work here as a uh, radio presenter or television, whatever I say, I won't have any fear to get shot or uh, to get attacked. The most the person could come and just punch me. Right. You know, I'm not going to die from that. Right, but right. if I'm lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome my brother. Thank you very much. Just an incredible story. Congratulations on becoming a new U.S. citizen. And you may be wondering, why didn't he call him by his name? Because I would have butchered it. But trust me, on our regular show, he will be appearing with us in the next couple of weeks. Much more to come on the American Veteran Show straight ahead. AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the best of the American Veteran Show. We'll be back soon with a brand new edition. Now, here's Stephen Tubbs. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show this Sunday afternoon. As always, we greatly appreciate any time that you give us this portion of the program, sponsored by our friends at Boson Law. It's B-O-E-S-E-N Law.com. Fighting on behalf of Colorado veterans every day, BosonLaw.com. 303-999-9999. Over the Veterans Day weekend, I had a chance to meet our next guest. He's here in studio. He is currently councilman in the city of Castle Rock, District 6, George Teal. First, do you guys consider yourself a city or a town? You know, we're just a little town. There you go. I didn't want to be inaccurate. It is growing, though. It's a growing town, but the town of Castle Rock, uh, that's how we chartered back in 1987. Yeah. And so we could have called ourselves a city. We could have called ourselves a town. The town's much more quaint. We like the, we like the phrase town. Well, I love the fact that you're here. I love the fact that you're a veteran and I greatly appreciated our conversation uh, that Saturday. And uh, you're originally from Greeley. Talk about growing up here. Yeah. Uh, grew up in Greeley. Um, Greeley was a small town back then, only 40,000 people. Wow. It was the big city for Weld County that whole time. That was back when Weld County was totally agrarian based so a real ag economy uh the university of northern colorado i think was the other big employer up there it was neat it was a neat place to be a neat place to grow up of course it's an aromatic place (laughs) something yeah you uh you know you're there you know you're there you know you grow up uh and it's uh everybody says it's the smell of money went back when my father passed away just before i left active service in 97 and it was wonderful to be back. It was wonderful to see family despite the circumstances, wonderful to see old friends. But my daughter was like two years old at the time, and she kept saying, what's that smell? And I said, it's the smell of money, honey. <laughs> so it was, dare to say, when we settled in Castle Rock, uh, Castle Rock has a little bit of a uh, an aroma to it. And uh, Castle Rock was the place we ended up calling home. That's awesome. George Teal is in the town of Castle Rock again, councilman for District 6, which is the south portion of town. Let's get to 1988. You enlist in the United States Army. Was there a reason why at that time? Did you have military in your family? You know, my dad was a draftee during Vietnam. Uh, He, uh, if I remember the chronology right, 
kind of got swept up in that very first draft um, when uh, really was President Johnson was getting the nation going and into China. Um, he served uh, stateside here. His unit moved out to Vietnam uh, within months of him discharging out. Uh, Dad and I watched the Walter Cronkite, uh, I think, Thousand Day War. And um, it, it's the episode where they had the Tet Offensive. And it was the fighting around the American embassy in Saigon. Uh, Dad kept saying, hey, that's Bob. That's Tom. Buddies he'd known, guys he'd known. And you know what? That was early 80s time frame. And so um, I think that started sinking the hook for me. My grandfather was a World War II veteran. My great-grandfather served in World War I, was in France. And um, it, it became something that I thought I would need to do to be a man, to, to be an American, to define being a patriot for me. You certainly had it in your, in your genealogy. You became a rifleman. Yes, sir. Yeah, I... Uh, I actually scored pretty good on my ASVAB. I think I missed one question. Uh, the guys from the Navy were coming down the hall at the recruiting station, uh, wanting to see if I wanted to, you know, run a reactor for, uh, on submarines and stuff like that. Air Force guys were lining up. The, uh, I kept telling them, nope, nope, I just want to walk through the woods and carry a gun. And then the Marine Corps guy came along. And, but listen, I knew how to spell my name. So the Marines wanted to make me an officer. <laughs> But, you know, then they found out my parents were married, and, well, that just uh, threw the whole deal you off. You guys are so funny because you always dig at each other. <laughs> Again, uh, Councilman for District 6 in the town of Castle Rock is uh, United States Army veteran George Teal. I met him during the Veterans Day wonderful ceremony in Castle Rock right there at, what, 4th and Wilcox. That was a great day. Yeah, wonderful day. Uh, we sometimes don't have uh, great days in terms of weather. There have been Beautiful. some cold, cold days. But that day was just gorgeous. And, uh, oh, I mean, right under the rock. Absolutely gorgeous. Wonderful time to celebrate, uh, all those that made it back and are still here. Yeah. You made it back. You went into Desert Storm. Talk about what you're, yeah. what you're okay in talking about. Yeah. Actually, it's a really easy story. Um, uh, I was in the reserves at the time. I was working my way through college. I had the GI Bill and yeah, we got the phone call January 15th saying be at the drill hall in two days january 17th is actually my birthday and uh showed up uh three weeks in fort carson they flew us out to uh germany we were we were told we were well the scuttlebutt was we were continuing on and then they told us to get off the plane they put us on trucks we headed up a little town called friedberg in germany and we ended up doing a uh, kind of a counter-terror security operation in the Frankfurt military community, um, really until June of that year. Good times. You know, we're all a bunch of college kids at the time. The Montgomery GI Bill was very good for us to help us get our educations. So uh, I'm sure you can imagine a thousand uh, college-age kids being dropped in Germany. Most of us had a really good time. Yeah, yeah. When you continue on and you, you go through, you end up becoming an officer, Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, um, my enlisted time was, um, good, good for me. I mean, um, I was never much of an athlete. I tried, but I wasn't never, I was never first team, I was never varsity. And when I got to basic training, I learned that, no, actually, this is something that I could be good at and not just good at, but one of the best. 
Um, I was one of those kids with, you know, PV2 mosquito wings on walking around and I already had a couple of ribbons. Um, so, you know, I'd had an interest in pursuing ROTC in college. Once, uh, we got back from Desert Storm, I kept going with that. And then I went back on active duty as a uh, infantry officer with the 25th ID. Great emblem, by the way. Yeah, the tropic lightning. lightning. Oh, yeah. Love the, it. the electric strawberry. Yeah. I, I, I've always, it's always been basically one of my favorites. Again, George Teal, United States uh, Army veteran, councilman currently for District 6 in the town of Castle Rock. You end up getting out mm-hmm. months before 9-11. Yeah. Talk to me about, uh, you shared a story off the air that George W. Bush is the elected president. and Who's going to mess with us? Of course, you know, we're 10 years into the dissolution of the, dissolution of the Soviet Union. Yeah, there was talk of China being an aggressor. Uh, when I was on active duty in, with the 25th, we were really very um, concentrated on preparing for the Second Korean War. So all that had kind of gone away. Uh, there was a lot of talk in the Army of it was an Army without a mission, an Army, um, are we going to be the Globo Cop, you know, for the world? I started a second career at that time. I had a small family. Uh, kids were little. And I figured, you know, at some point in time, I was going to be cheating something. I was going to be cheating the military, cheating the new job, or, or cheating the family. And so I decided one had to go. Um, I was approaching my 30s at the time. I was not going to be in the field anymore as a rifleman or as a junior infantry officer. Everything ahead of me was staff jobs, which for me, growing up uh, in the infantry squads, was about the most boring thing on the face of the earth. So yeah, that's when I ended up getting out. We're talking with George Teal. When we come back as we wrap up the program, talk a little bit more about that time period of 2001. Fast forward to his career in politics and why he gives back now as a veteran why he shows up at veteran events we'll talk much more about that as we conclude this week's program this is the american veteran show americanveteranshow.com The American Veteran Show. Now, back to The American Veteran Show. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome back to our final segment here on the program. Our guest here in studio is current councilman for District 6 in the town of Castle Rock, 
George Steele. He grew up in Greeley. He enlisted in 1988 in the Army, ended up leaving and getting out as a first lieutenant, serving time both active duty and in the reserves as well. Was there ever a time, either in 2001 specifically or, you know, all the way up to present day, has there been any regret that, you know, the attack on on America and you were out? A lot of regret, particularly that September. I mean, come on, if, if we all remember what it was like, it was, you know, a shot out of the, out of the dark. So yeah, I started messing around, trying to get my way, call to the infantry branch in Virginia. Hey, how can I get my job back? Their answer was, ah, you've been out too long. Calls to uh, St. Louis, to the reserve branch. How can I get back in? Well, you know, Lieutenant, we're really not looking for 30-year-old, you know, platoon leaders. All right? Uh, Could I do something else? And I had been heavily recruited the year before that I got out by the first maneuver uh, training company. A lot of reserve officers from that time had rotated through there between serving on the line, regardless of branch, regardless of unit. So I said, hey, what about those guys? Well, they're already gone. They're already down at NTC, they're at JRTC, they're training, so they're not in recruiting mode, they're already staffed up and gone. So I figured, you know, okay, great. Everything's handled, they probably really don't need, you know, what would be the the fat 30-year-old, you know, platoon leader now. And then uh, we went into Iraq, and I thought, there's got to be a way for me in now. By that time it was worse, by that time I was, it was an age situation. Being born in 1968, um, I guess it was a bad year for the military because no matter what I could do that year, when we went in in 2003, when we went into Iraq, then it was a case of, you know, you're just a year too old. All right, great. A couple more years go by. We're getting into 2005 when we know things were kind of getting rough. Uh, when you were over there, when you were uh, embedded. And I thought, well, okay, they're extending the age. No, still a year too, year too old. And it kept going like that really the whole time. Frustrating for you, I bet. Very frustrating. I mean, I had a lot of buddies. When I got, when I got my commission, I, I was fortunate enough to get on active duty. I went right on active duty. I served, you know, for the next four years after that. I had a lot of buddies who got assigned to reserve units and they would have died to have gotten an active duty assignment. And I'm hearing back from them. They're, they're on active duty. They're in a, a National Guard unit. They're in a reserve unit that they got picked up. They're over there. And, yeah, it was, it was kind of a frustrating thing, uh, this thing that I dedicated so much of my life to, and I'm already too old. Yeah. You and know I'm not what, even though? 40. You know what, though? I, I commend you for making what sounds like a whole bunch of attempts to get back. And, you know, it was their loss. I mean, you brought a lot of experience, but, you know, when – both of us born in 68, 69, respectively. Uh, we can't control the age. Yeah, I can't control the age. In 2009, I, I too, kind of got wrapped up in the recession. My industry just fell apart for uh, 18 months. I actually went down to my recruiter, um, you know, in, in, off of Plum Creek in Castle Rock, not even two miles away. And by then, I was like, listen, uh, send me back to basic training. Uh, send me in as a, a sergeant. And by that time, it was like, okay, now you're really too old. (laughs) (laughs) Let me remind our audience as we wrap up this edition of the American Veteran Show, Councilman in the town of Castle Rock, George Teal, I want to make sure I get in a couple of more questions. First, tell me why you, why we met 
and you were at a Veterans Day event. Now, it's in your town. You're a council member. Politically, it makes sense. But, you know, you don't have to do that kind of stuff. Why do you give back? Uh, it goes back to the days in the infantry squads. I mean, uh, we're brothers. We're, we're sisters uh, now. And, uh, no, you it's what you do. You know, I have a difficult time being active with our American Legion uh, in town. They meet when the town council meeting meets every well, that's month. That's a good excuse for. It's a good excuse <laughs> to 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 not go and put on a sea cap again, I suppose. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I always look for those opportunities to give back. Um. Uh. You know, uh, my military service um it, it did more for me than was ever asked of me. Anytime I can give back. In the least way, um, I'm happy to. Let me ask you about politics. Any similarities between politics as you know it and going through an election and the uh, the military? Yeah, uh, big time. You know, it, it's uh, different. If I had stayed in NCO, I'm told I would have been exposed to more politics in the NCO ranks. If I'd stayed in longer as an officer, I would have been pulled. I would have been exposed to more politics as an officer. But, you know, the ability to communicate, you know, the ability to pick up a conversation with a stranger. And, you know, in the Army, it's easy. You're all soldiers. You're there on a common mission. That's easy. But to be able to do that with your neighbors to seek a municipal office, I mean, it was priceless. I had a couple of competitors in my two races, the one where I won the seat the first time and then re-election, whom... Uh, that was the hardest thing for them to do at, at times. And they'd tell you that. And I'd be like, dude, that's, you're in the wrong business, man. This is, uh, this is what it's all about. And, you know, communicating. I think the responsibility you learn in the military, not just to higher ranks, but to your fellow peer, your soldier, your fellow man, that really kicks in, especially in the municipal office. When you've got a little old lady shaking her cane at you because there's a pothole that's not fixed and you realize, you know, this really is my job. I really do need to take this serious. This is a real conversation, a serious conversation and try to make it better. You know, it's those little things that you learn back in basic training that even translate to this day when we're doing something big. We went through a process where we redid our town charter a couple of years ago. The town did not used to elect the mayor. The mayor would be appointed by the other members of town council. I tried to uh, lead a process to change that to where everybody could vote for the mayor and it could be a full vote of the people. We were successful. But even just planning out that campaign and getting that through, you know, I hearken back. I think about, um, you know, being a young officer down at JRTC. Yeah. Planning out that campaign in stages what are our micro, what are our, you know, what are the phase lines we want to hit? What are our micro, our sub-objectives we want to hit in order to get the entire objective done? I did that. I did that all the time, whether I was running for office or we were trying to get the town charter changed for for the better. As we wrap up, have you been enjoying your time in politics? I have. I have, actually. Um, Even with the cane shaking at you? Yeah, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I, uh, I do, uh, you know, the biggest, uh, job in politics is to talk to other people, find out what they want. If you're trying to influence your peers, you're trying to influence a county commissioner to do something for the town. It's talking with folks, finding out where you have commonality, finding out where your differences are, 
and then working to mitigate those differences and, you know, do things for the better. Municipal politics is not national politics. You got to get stuff done and yet you still have to hold a line at a values and a morality perspective to where, you know, everybody in the town really can come together. George Teal, councilman for District 6, which is South Castle Rock, got out of the Army as first lieutenant, and I can't thank you enough. I'm so glad that you, you took bet. the time, and uh, thank you. We'll have you on again. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. You bet. George Teal there. Coming up next week, an amazing program dedicated to one Coloradan, United States Marine Corps veteran who, believe it or not, is going to row with his team from the Canary Islands to the Caribbean. Yes, row. That's about 3,000 nautical miles. Do not miss veteran Evan Stratton. He's next week on the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. For executive producer Kirk Widlin, I'm Stephen Tubbs. Have a great week ahead. Let's get out of Afghanistan, out of Iraq, stay out of Syria, and remember our troops. Talk to you next week. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteransShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veterans Show. The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives for newly appointed agents. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the United States Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP.